Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. And good afternoon. Welcome to Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. I'm Anthony Weiner filling in for the great James Golden today. A great honor that I have to be able to do this. For those of you who've been with us Friday and and then yesterday, it's been great to have you along. For those of you returning to the work week, um, it's great to have you here. We'll be here till five o'clock, and then Cats at Night will be coming in. You can always get us on good old fashioned terrestrial radio up and down the East Coast, all around the country, or WABCRadio.com. We even have an app. And we'd love for you to be part of the show. Rich is on the other side of the board. Avery will be taking your calls. Amazing show today. Another great one. Uh, we're going to do our second installment of our week-long series on the best arguments that we had this year. And uh, But first, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, as the old movie said. Just to reset the, uh, the bidding, uh, yesterday we heard from... George Santos, you've been hearing a lot about it on the radio today, a lot about it in the national media. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with the background of the story, by now a lot of people already know it. He ran for Congress and won this year. Uh, it was a district that runs from Nassau County, parts of Queens, used to be represented by Tom Swazi. It was a mild to mid-sized upset. You know, we have this red wave here in New York that they didn't have in the rest of the country. In fact, if you look at the House of Representatives, it is in control of Republicans because of the Democrats here here in New York, combined with Lee Zeldin. And um, so this guy, George Santos, won this year. This evening, he lost to his predecessor by about 12 and a half points. It was a mild to mid-size up- upset. And as it turned out, after the fact, we found out he lied about a bunch of stuff, his education, his jobs, his religion, his grandparents being in the Holocaust. Even made up his stories about his employees being victims of the Pulse nightclub shooter. And after being found out, he came clean, sort of. Um, and in a crazy twist of fate and timing, he came clean, at least in part, to me. And it's a bit of a story about how that came to pass. Now, a few people have tweeted online and and mentioned online that, oh, my God, what an 
is this irony? Is this just a crazy decision by George Santos? What is why is Anthony Weiner involved in the story? I'll tell you the story. First of all, the credit goes to John Katzmatidis. You know, um, I've been filling in all the week from four to five, and then at five o'clock, John comes in. I get sometimes I'm invited to be on John's show. He has a panel. It always includes a Democrat or two. He wants to get different perspectives. Sometimes they have me on just to make fun of me, but that's another story. But I get an, an opportunity to kind of, since I was in early to prepare for my show, I'm filling in some very big shoes here. I got a chance to see how they prepare that show. And Lydia Serrano, who is, who is his, his great assistant on that show, is like actually, you know, like the co-host almost. They're talking about who to have on as guests and kind of almost on the spur of the moment, John says, um, we should get George Santos on. He reaches in, takes out his phone. And invites him to come on. He showed me the text. I don't think I'm confiding any great secrets here. And in a one-word answer, Santos responds, yes. Now, at this point, Santos had not done any interviews at all. We were going to be the first one. He was sitting down almost simultaneously with the New York Post, but we had it first. And um, since it was a holiday and folks weren't around, as part of the panel just to sit in with John was I was going to sit in, just kind of have be, you know, just well, part of the amen chorus, maybe throw in questions now and again. But I said to him specifically, and Lido confirmed this, I said, I don't think I should ask the questions. It's just too much. I mean, I have been in this in a situation myself, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. Um, and so it was John that, that and I said, as I went and I sat down at four o'clock and in my show yesterday, I went through the whole Santo story and I pointed out all the inaccuracies and I, also took the position that I continue to hold today, that he should be seated, that the voters get the last say, that opponents get to make the case against you, the press gets to look into your sub, constituents can look online, and then once voters vote, they vote. Um, that doesn't mean if you committed a crime, you you don't you know, you can't do something to get expelled from Congress, but you should be seated. So he came on and. You know, I want to look past a little bit past his answers. Uh, and because to summarize, they were apologies, it seems to me, somewhat without contrition. They, you know, he would go immediately for an apology to, to blaming journalists. He would say he was sorry about doing something and then explain that, boy, they're picking on me for doing it. And I want to say that I don't think the cliche about politics, about politics and lies is true. You know, we hear the idea, you know, there are politicians who've been caught in lies, but I think they are what's called the exception that proves the rule. So much of what politicians do is in public and has a wider and more intense fact check that goes on. When you stand up and say something, you've got people who are running off, they see it on the internet, their opponents, just the same way with a campaign. You have reporters that cover you, that fact check. When you lie on a resume at work, if you're getting a job at a bank, you have a handful of people who might or might not check it. If you lie on the background on a political resume, you you have what's called a campaign, and someone is going to find out about it. You have dozens of citizen journalists out there trying to find out about it. I mean, do politicians say things that turn out to be wrong? Yes. Do they say a, something is in a bill which isn't actually in the bill? Yeah, sometimes that happens. Do they say things that, for effect that are not literally true? You know, the border is open. I mean, yeah, that happens. 
But after listening to George Santos, um, I'm reminded of my own situation. I mean, they were very different lives, um, but a near, but a very similar, almost nearly identical feeding frenzy. And um, I heard a lot and saw a lot of his public disclosure, particularly an interview he did on City and State, um, and the calls that he and the call he did with us. The disclosure was kind of similar. Um, it doesn't work if you're being truthful as a political maneuver. If you feel, you know, if you feel that you have done nothing wrong um, and you just want to open the books and answer any questions about it, sometimes it does, like just, you know, just telling it exactly how it is. But if you're trying to figure out how I push back against Democrats, how I convince my constituents I'm a good guy, how I try to make sure that Kevin McCarthy doesn't try to throw me out, who I try to, you know, push back on the New York Times. If you're hiding secrets about yourself and you know you are, um, trying to decide what to say and how to say it to satisfy reporters or even your constituents is just too difficult. That's what I learned. When I when I finally decided to come clean, you know, for those of you, I mean, a lot of people, I realize this is an old story now. I try, I sent an inappropriate picture to someone that I was involved with online. I sent it through Twitter at a time when, <laughs> this is so, this is even, be, this is before a lot of people signed. It used to be when you were sending a direct tweet to someone, like a message, you had to put, D in front of the tweet in the same line that you would put tweet. So I forgot to do that. The picture went out. I denied it was me. I said it was hacked. I was lying. Um, I was lying. I denied it. I said I was hacked and the story unraveled. So I decided to come clean at a press conference. But the truth didn't really set me free because the purpose was to kind of let me slide, not to let me free, not to free me from the burden of it. I watch my interviews in the press conference from that time, and it feels like an out-of-body experience. It feels like I'm watching another person. And, you know, you know, I got a whole bunch of calls on Friday when I was talking about my addiction and my recovery and whatever, a whole bunch of people calling in and sharing their stories. And maybe people who struggle will, will recognize this. That, you know, if you want to clear the decks, the first thing you have to do is clear your own head. And watching George Santos, it doesn't seem that he has. It seems that he's still trying to figure out a way um, to tell a story that will allow him to continue to to move forward in his political career. Now, people would say to me, even today on the street, people say to me, oh, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. If you just tell the truth, people will forgive you. Well, no, that's not obviously not always the case. With me, you know, I had so much stuff going on. If I would have, you know, I had so much stuff going on at once – so much was going on. I was in a state of meltdown. Um, but I can tell you that as it relates to George Santos, and I don't like to, I'm not going to diagnose him from afar, but it seems like he's still struggling. He really does. I really have, I really have some empathy for him. I have grace for him. Um, 800-848-9222, 800-948-WABC. Um, and when, when I watch him, I see someone who is trying to have it a lot of different ways. And there, you know, there are all kinds of different versions of his story that get us to that. Um, like I'll give you, I'll give you an, an, an example. Rich, I don't know. Do you have, do you have cut two ready to go? 
look, at the end of the day, I campaigned on issues and I campaigned to deliver results. Those promises still stand for everybody who's ever interacted with me. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I do it. I've never, ever uh, not done something I said I'd set out to do. Well, the problem with that kind of an answer, and I don't want to pile on, I really don't, is that's exactly what you're accused of, not doing stuff that you said you did. Maybe it's the opposite of what you're accused of. I don't know. But to be to say words like that and not recognize that you you can't say that, oh, I, you shouldn't believe me about this, but you should believe me about that. The whole element of developing and rebuilding trust is this idea of getting all of the answers out there. And I did that in a, in a, in a therapeutic setting. I did that when I was in, in rehab. And still it's, you know, and I've said to people if they, if they wanted to call in and talk about my, Recovery, if they wanted to call and make fun of me, if they wanted to call and call me names, uh, you know, part of it, that's part of, that's part of this process. Um, and for him as a politician, it's difficult to not think that what the kind of, the kind of disclosure he's doing, the kind of openness that he's being is still limited. And I just hope that, I just hope he gets his arms around that idea. And I did not get that. It was long after I left office when I got into rehab and I got into recovery and I started to realize the idea of saying, you know, it's the fifth step, admitting, you know, to yourself and at least one other person, the exact natures of your wrong. This whole idea of like, that's part of starting your road back. Now, are reporters going to let you get away with it? No, they're going to be mad at you anyway. Are constituents going to be mad at you? Yes. But I think you've got to, Break the situation up. One has to be, here's everything that I said that was wrong with complete contrition, not blaming anyone else. I've reached, I mean, I don't, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm responsible for what I went through. That's my response. I, and I'm, you know, there is a saying, and we've got to go to a break, but there's there's a saying that you know, you come to regret nothing. And part of it is that you well, let's put the right pronoun in this. Part of it is that I, you know, came to believe that, you know, all of the stuff that happened to me, including prison, including losing my, my wife, including losing my jobs, was, was to bring me to this precise point where now I'm talking about someone else going through this and trying to grant them a little bit of grace. But we're going to talk a little bit more about central, but not much more because at the bottom of the hour, we're going to go to our issue of, uh, we're doing one issue a day. We're calling it arguments we like year in review i don't work calling it but we'll see you on the other side we have rich on the board avery is taking your calls we want to have you involved 800-848-9222 it's anthony wiener in for james golden and we'll see you on the other side this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. 
And welcome back to uh, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. I'm in Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. You see what Rich did there? Who are you? Talking about George Santos? Man, he is good at his job. I'm here till 5 o'clock when John Katzenfidis comes in. Really a big deal for me to be sitting in for James Golden. He's coming back on Tuesday, I believe. Maybe Wednesday. Um, really sitting in for a giant. I know he and I, we frequently get confused for one another. We look very similar. Our politics are a little bit different, but it's one of my favorite shows here on 77 WABC. You can tune in. We want you to be part of the conversation, 800-848-9222. Uh, probably soon, we're going to get to what I wanted to do each day this week. We're going to do one issue that were the arguments of the year and kind of see if we can kind of find some middle ground on them. And today, uh, we're going to do the economy and inflation. You know, do you blame Joe Biden? Who do you blame? I'm going to do a little package on that at the bottom of the hour. We're going to do a little more George Santos. And again, I, 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 I might be an unusual person to say this. I hope he's a one-term congressman. I don't believe that, I don't believe in the stuff he believes in. Um, I can tell you what's going to happen probably next. You know, people, you know, when, when I resigned, there was a poll taken. At that time I resigned, there was a poll taken in my district that showed that overwhelmingly people didn't want me to resign. Um, and I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but, um, Nancy Pelosi didn't say you should quit. He didn't say that. He, she did say to me, um, I'm going to be joining with the Republican leader to ask for an ethics investigation. Um, and, uh, the ethics committee, it's equal parts Democrats and Republicans. They do things pretty straight down the, the, the middle, to be honest, but it's like a trial. You've got to hire a lawyer and whatever. Now, nothing that I did was a violation of any ethics rules. I did was personally very embarrassing, but not a violation of any ethics rule. But when I was trying to save my marriage and um, had a baby on the way, uh, the idea of a multi-million dollar legal fee, which I, I don't think I was going to be permitted to pay for it out of my political funds. I didn't, and I also didn't think that I would be able to go raise money for, for it. And I just, to be honest with you, my first imperative was to try to hold my life together and what's going to happen with George Santos? He, this, if, if you read in the newspaper in the next, you know, whatever it is, it won't be before the third. He won't be a member of Congress yet. That they are in, the initiating a ethics investigation of him. The clock may start ticking on him because that can just completely drain your time, energy, and everything else. And so I expect that he might be a one-term congressman. But the, and I don't want to continue to. I don't want to pile on. I do want to raise something only because my friend Curtis raised it. On his show, one of the one of the curiosities here, well, it's not a curiosity because it's a very heavily Jewish district, is that George Santos claimed he was Jewish and he's not. And when I had an opportunity to ask him some questions yesterday, that was the thing that I was most the idea that he said his grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, and it turned out that wasn't the case. And then he said he didn't say he was Jewish; he said he was Jewish, and. And uh, he did an interview today that I want to hear you. It's a pretty long cut. It's about 50 seconds where he's asked about that. And I think he's going to reveal something that I think is telling. So that is um, that's cut three, Rich. So as I've said many times, and I think you've heard me say this, I always joke. I'm Catholic, but I'm also Jewish, as in ish. Uh, and I've made that joke because growing up, I grew up fully aware that my grandparents were Jewish, came from from a Jewish family, and they were refugees to Brazil 
And that was always a story I grew up with and I've always known it very well. And I've told it the way it was told to me. Now, if, if it, it just strikes me so odd that people are rushing to disinherit me from being Jewish or for even allowing to care for Israel and Judaism in a time and an era where anti-Semitism is at a all time rise. And here's somebody who actually cares about Jews, cares about, uh, uh, um, Israel and somebody who's willing to fight for them. And, and we have people pushing me away. It's, you know, I got a text from somebody today who says, George, I don't care what they say. You're still an MOT. And I'm sure you know what an MOT is. Um, member of the tribe. Oh, Let's member see. of the tribe. Yeah. Where do I start? First of all, I don't know what an MOT, I don't know what an MOT is, but that's not really why I want to play that cut. I want to play that cut because if you listen carefully, he didn't say that it wasn't true about his grandparents. And doesn't say that he's sorry about saying it. And doesn't say he's sorry about saying that he was Jewish when he's not. Like he stopped, you know, he does this thing. He says, you know, you've heard me tell this joke before. No, he, he described himself as Jewish. And he says, I was told the story. And then he says, if dot, dot, dot. And then he goes to you. People are pushing me away from supporting Israel. This is the point I'm trying to make about he wants to, he, He's being tugged so much. He wants to protect himself and wants to push back and wants to punch back. I've been there, brother. Ask any reporter who covered me in 2011. They've seen this movie before, the punching, the denying, the it's their fault. They don't want me to be – we don't want you to support Israel. That's not the point. It's just you just you can't – I mean for a lot of people using – a fake story about being in the Shoah is like a military family lying to a military family about losing someone in war when you didn't, you know, or, or wearing a fake, you know, you know, medal or something saying that you were at a certain battle that you weren't at or something like that. And the important thing, the important telling thing about that, and by the way, that's from I think today. I think it, it was after our interview that I did with with John and 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 Lydia. I mean, it's not a joke, frankly. I mean, I know a joke is being made of it, but I think the higher the higher example that this is is not so much his tone; it's that his fundamental unwillingness to kind of get in there with the self reflection and be like, "Look, man." I, I don't know what I was thinking. My grandparent or 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 say the story that I thought he was going to tell that I was told this and it was wrong and I deeply regret it. And here's the reasons why this is an important thing to get right. And here's the lesson I learned or something like that. So that that's my answer. I don't make fun of it. I just think that it's it's got a sadness to it and it's a more serious thing. And by the way, to kind of say you're being pushed away from supporting Jews are supporting or fighting anti-Semitism or supporting Israel. That's not, that's not, no, man, that's not what, that's no, that's not what's happening here. And there is one other element of, of the interviews and the big question, John got to it yesterday and he asked it in a, in a perfect journalistic way that may wind up sinking George Santos in the future. And that is where did the money come from? You know, you had a failed company and he didn't have much of a good answer. He said, I made a bunch of money from a company that folded because it didn't have a bunch of money, because it didn't have a bunch of money. Um, but there was another thing that he said today 
about this company that he was involved in. And he'll mention the name of it. I have it jotted down here somewhere. I'm looking through my notes. But better yet, just why don't you just play play cut number one there, Rich. Um, after leaving Linkbridge, I go to work for a company who used to be one of our clients, uh, Harbor City Capital. As reported, after I left Harbor City Capital, it was reputed as a Ponzi scheme for aspects of the company, not the whole company, but the the, the financial aspect of the company. I, I was not named a plaintiff of anything. I never had to, I was never investigated or anything because I, I had no fiduciary responsibilities. So. Okay, so here's the thing about the Harbor City Capital's name. You can go Google it and see what they did. They were basically a Ponzi scheme. He says, I wasn't, it, it was, it's not all of the company that was involved, just the financial part. It's a financial company. It was a fine, I don't, it's another, not a weird answer. It's, you know, it, if you're not involved or you were not involved in a time that it's a Ponzi scheme, whatever your answer is, just say it. That was a very long kind of drawn out. I didn't have fiduciary responsibility. I wasn't that they, it was the financial side of the company. Anyway, of all the things that I think that are out there that could really get him in serious trouble, lots are going to get him embarrassed and lots may turn off his constituents, but the stuff may get that really can catch him is, um, is the financial stuff, including this, his relationship with this company. And I'll say one more time. You know, I said earlier that actually politicians don't lie. One thing they have to be very careful about lying about is financial stuff because they file a bunch of documents. One, they file campaign contribution for filings, which you can get in trouble for filing something that's not true and omitting something. None of that. You can get trouble for filing something that you took that was over a limit or from a person you're not allowed to take it. So that can get you in trouble. And that's a form – that's a disclosure that can get you in trouble. There's another – that when you are a candidate and when you are a member of Congress, where your money comes from is not precisely a matter of public record. They have ranges. But like, you know, you, you'll have a description. You'll say Harbor City Capital, a letter, meaning the range of money, and then a description of what the, you know, what, what your money is for, what it's from. He has to be somewhat careful here because if it turns out that he had filed something about Harbor City Capital or not, that is not the case, or the stuff that he talks about his own company, that got the money back, um, that that wound up paying him off that wasn't true, then he has to be in trouble. He, he might be in trouble. Let's go to a couple of calls because I do want to get to a different subject for uh, for a lot of this. So let's go to a couple of calls for from folks. Um, first, let's go to uh, to David in the Bronx. Go ahead, David. Yes, good afternoon, um, Anthony. Um, I'm curious about something because this is the one thing that has me uh, confused about this whole situation. To me, it seems almost as if he had no intention of actually winning this race because the type of lies were so extensive and so easy to find out. How could a person expect to win an election with that kind of story? And, and also with the money, is there any advantage to loaning a campaign that you suspect might lose money from your own bank account? Because that also is confusing. Two excellent questions. By the way, David, I have a very similar take than you, but not quite the same. I think – he was fast and loose with this stuff because he's a, he was fast and loose with his biography his entire life. But I do believe he had never come under this type of scrutiny. And most congressional races, you don't get a lot of scrutiny. Even the one he had against Swazi, he probably didn't have a lot of scrutiny. Now, all that being said, I have heard from various Republicans and also a handful of Democrats who said they knew this stuff about him. So there's that. As far as – now, if he, he – I, I have not read that he lent his his campaign money. Here's the thing. 
Under a, a, a Supreme Court case in 1976, I want to say, called Buckley v. Vallejo, they said that you can put as much of your own money on getting yourself elected as you want. There's no limit. I think it's a terrible ruling because then it lets rich people give a big advantage over not-so-rich people. And plus you have no transparent uh, – you lose a lot of transparency. You are allowed to lend your campaign money. I believe you're allowed to lend your campaign money, but I think it has to be repaid by the end of the campaign with actual contributions or something like that. So there's no there's no real advantage to him doing that on either thing. Either way, he's out the money, but he won the election. So whatever he invested in, he wound up he wound up getting. Uh, next, I go to Rocky in Brooklyn. Rocky, welcome to the Jabosnerly Rush Hour. How you doing? A and W's in the house. Hey, Rocky. You have another uh, Bro- you have another Brooklyn night. How well, you doing? What's on your mind today, Rocky? Welcome aboard. I'm coming home from uh, Maine, just visiting my son. I got my wife and my uh, dog in the car. You know, I'm just saying about the uh, the mask mandate. It's just a little ridiculous. It's like you're in a post-apocalyptic society. It's a shame when I have to see my grandkids in masks or whatever, or even people when they meet you or something. You know, oh, put a mask on. I I I I, I agree with you 100%, Rocky. I don't like mask mandates either, except when they save lives. But that's I'm not a doctor. I'll leave it to someone else to decide. Hey, Ed in Staten Island, thank you for joining us on the Boston Early Rush Hour. Yeah, I agree with you. This guy Santos is a piece of work. He's mentally ill or something. The, the lies are just too many. But look, if Kevin McCarthy gets a speakership, he's not going to put him on House Ways and Means. He'll stick him in some obscure committee, and then, you know, both parties are going to be working to replace him in two years. He's an embarrassment. Yeah, I think that, Ed, you're not far off. He's not going to have a lot of clout in trying to get good committees. I think that you know, you're going to have – he's going to have a t- tough time raising money. His re- I bet you he gets a Republican primary because they don't want to lose this seat. The Democrats are going to be – it's a Democratic seat by registration there's going to be republican a um, a presidential race in 2024 i think he's probably a one term guy now but i think he I, I think he's definitely going to get seated on the 3rd that's definitely going to happen um because kevin mccarthy needs his vote and frankly i don't really know of a good reason why he shouldn't be as i've said lying is not a good thing i don't even know if it's a violation of the ethics rules to lie <laughs> To be honest with you, because it's a really tough question. When is someone lying and when are they not? Let's go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the issues of the year. We're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about the economy and who is to blame. 800-848-9222. We have Rich and Avery and all of you. Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back. This is Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. Just when Rich can't top himself, he comes back with True from Spandau Ballet. See what he's doing here? Talking about George Santos. Who are you? True. He is an artist. 800-848-9222. Now, Rich, the question is, are you ready with my special sounder for the for our issue in review 2022? You don't have that. Ugh. No, it's so good. Chris Libertini made this special sounder for me. It's like 2022 in review. 
All right, well, we'll have it tomorrow. So we're, each day we're doing another issue. Yesterday we did Hunter Biden and Twitter. We had Jason Chaffetz and talk about it. We ran a little long with the Santos thing, so we're, I'm just going to do my own little riff about it. And today we're going to talk about the infla- inflation that has ravaged our country, the problems in the economy, and uh, I guess the question is, who do we blame, Right. Now, I know that some people blame Joe Biden. We had that really big stimulus bill that passed shortly after he came in, about $1.9 trillion of stimulus that pumped a lot of money in. I know that people are saying that gas prices, so gas prices are not really what they used to be. If they were $5 in, in, in July, in June rather, they're 310 as of today. You know, our situation is bad, 7.1% in the month of November, but it's not nearly as bad as the European Union. Inflation is 11%. In Germany, it's 11.6%. The UK, 10.1%. Ireland, 9.6%. We're lower than most. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We've got a war going on. We're still coming back after COVID. On the other hand, I think I know who I blame. And we're going to open this up to calls 800-848-9222. 800-848-WABC. Well, now that I've set it up, I hope we can. Can we find? Let's find the sound. Do we have it? This is 2022 in review. You see, I mean, let's face the facts. James Golden, every, every, he is a pro. He doesn't have problems. Sounder is not going off when they're supposed to. He doesn't have any, he's just smooth like silk. That's why I love listening to him. But when you get Anthony Weiner filling in, you get the sounder in the middle of the segment. But we appreciate it, Rich, and, and thanks for, for Chris for making that up for us. But anyway, as I was saying, we don't have it as bad as other places. Inflation, gas prices were, were high. We heard a lot of talk about it, particularly during the election. But i got to tell you something that doesn't get enough attention in all this conversation, and that is how much profits the big corporations are making in, 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 um, in a time of inflation. They do very, very well. No one does better than the oil and gas industries. Their profits are up 169% so far this year, $125 billion. The four big oil companies, they, they're, they're, they have so much money that they're spending $73 billion of that not to explore more locations, not to tap into one of those many leases that they have for federal land, but to buy back their own stock. That's what they're doing. And if you're traveling this time of year, is the inflation of airline tickets this year. Yet profits are up 186% at American Airlines, 99% at United Airlines. A $1.4 billion profit in the third quarter. And these are the same companies, by the way, that got $20 billion in taxpayer assistance during the pandemic, and they cut 6,400 jobs. And food prices, yeah, they're up too, over 33% in the last year. And the big agribusiness companies, they've made profits of $382 billion during the pandemic. And what about the prescription drug guys? COVID-19, you know, they've gotten a lot of money for all the vaccines and all of the stuff. They're, they're doing, they're doing great. Pfizer has increased its profits so far 42% this year. This wasn't even their big year. I think last year was even a bigger year for them. $26.4 billion. And cause what's happening? Because what's happening is what when we're struggling with inflation, they're going out and raising their prices, right? I mean, let's remember what inflation is. Inflation are people charging more for stuff. 
So Amazon up 17%, Netflix up 10.7%, Nike raised their price 10.5%, um, uh, FedEx up 6 to 8%. So if you want to say who's responsible for inflation, now I'm not saying their costs are not up, I'm, their costs are up. These are profits, I just want to point out. This is after they've paid all their bills. I mean, I, what, I have a, a modest proposal, a little proposal that I think the left and right, you know, I do a show on Saturday called The Middle where we take issues and we don't talk about what the two fringes want. We push off against the AOC wing. We push off against the whatever the conservative version of that is. And we say, let's try to not not be Democrats and not not be Republicans. Bring your ideology to the table. No doubt about it. Let's try to agree on stuff. And what about the idea of taxing those profits and giving middle class people back the money? Not the government, middle class people like, you know, right now we have this crazy scenario that we have the very richest people in in the world um you know the very richest people in the world are are getting richer the, how about this for a crazy number the three and you know who these people are the three multi-billionaires the top 3 own more wealth than the bottom half of all Americans so what between taxing the profits that the not not saying take them away so let them make mm, 25, 30% profits, 40% profits. Let them get insanely wealthy. Let them return a ton of response to, to their taxpayer, to their uh, bondholders, their shareholders. But the rest will say, let's give you a little tax. I mean, right now, the Fortune 500, only about 10% of Fortune 500 companies pay any taxes at all on their profits. So that's one idea. Another idea is to throw out Joe Biden, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what I know a lot of people on the board say we should do. Actually, let's go to some of those calls because I've kind of laid out, I don't know, what have I laid out the case? I mean, perhaps I have, perhaps I haven't. Um, first, let's go to John in Orangeburg, New Jersey. John, thanks for checking in here on Boston Northeast Rush Hour. Hi, how are you? I'm well, John. Thank you. So, you know, when you manufacture something, uh, the cost to then uh, buy the product and then ship them increased dramatically when gas increases. And gas, I looked at my receipts from back, you know, in 2019 and before. Uh, in New Jersey, you were paying a dollar seventy-nine for gas, and now uh, it's more than double. So you cannot say that if you shut down all the production pipeline like uh, that that is is disconnected and that inflation is good. And saying inflation is less in Europe. It's like saying, you know, my wife is cheating with me with less men than my friend's wife. Is with him. It just doesn't make any sense. John, but, but oil production is, is not down. Yeah, but it, it, it's not even with oil production. If you need to, to bring the oil from afar and it costs you 10 times. I mean, if you study economics, it's like the simplest thing. No, no, John, John, you understand. The, 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 I, I read you the profits of the oil companies. They're doing great. They, 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 their costs, this is their, with profits, as you know, John, and I appreciate your calling, check in again. Profits are what happens after you sell your product, how much you're making on it. So that includes whatever they have to do. Listen, I, I have heard the production shot, shut down by Joe Biden. Six, uh, 7,000 leases on federal lands that the oil companies have today that they haven't touched. You think they want lower prices at the pump? You really think Exxon wants lower prices at the pump? They're a private business. See, this is why Republicans and Democrats can get together. Republicans are free market guys. They understand how the, the markets work. Republicans understand that if an oil company wants to lower their price, what they can do is they can take all of that profit and lower their prices. 
They like higher prices. Just the same way the Saudis like limited supply, and that's why they cut off supply when they met at OPEC at the uh, um, um, of this quarter. There's 6,000 leases. People don't like Joe Biden shut off the oil industry. No. In fact, you know, this is a fair – by the way, if you're going to give Joe Biden the blame for it being $5 a gallon in June, does that mean he gets the blame for the fact that we're going to end this year with it lower than they were at the, be- at the beginning of the year? Year to year, we're actually lower than we were this time last year. So does that mean he gets credit? And I'll be honest with you, no. I mean, I, I mean I'm a Democrat, but I can tell you Joe Biden didn't lower the gas prices. It's the market. By the way, you know what the market is? It's you, my fellow listener. You know, we drove less because gas prices were so high. We made different decisions. That's the free market at work. These oil companies love high prices. Now, we don't. But the idea, oh, let's just give them another lease. They've got 7,000 leases they haven't touched. Joe Biden's not cutting off cutting off anything. And I think we have, we have time for one more, one more quick call. Let's go to Jerry. Jerry in Edison, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, um, I think, Anthony, that Elon Musk might be getting a sort of a Mike Lindell treatment for owning Twitter and doing what he's doing. I see Tesla dropping a lot more than you would expect. And I'm wondering if some of these big companies that hold Tesla stock aren't dumping it in spite because what he's doing with Twitter. What do you think of that? Nah, I, thank you, Jerry. Here, here's my view. My view is people who invest in companies want them to go up, unless they're shorting it. They want it to go up. He's go down for three big reasons. One, he's very distracted over at Twitter and not spending much time on the thing he knows. He does not know social media companies. That's why he's driving into the ground. He does know how to make a car company, and he's spending no time over there now. So I think that the market is concerned about that. Two, the guy's been erratic, and so he's been erratic. But the third biggest reason, he has 60% of the electric vehicle market. Do you know what it's projected to be in two years? 23%. All of these big companies are now going into the EV market, and his share is predicted to go way, way down. And 3A, they've been blowing up. (laughs) <laughs> They've been having problems with their autopilot. They've been having trouble with their batteries. That's why Tesla stock is down. And by the way, you know who sold uh, um, close to $30 billion of his own uh, Tesla stock this year? Elon Musk. I avoid this problem by not having any money. But um, uh, when we get back from the break, we'll have a few more calls. Thanks for joining us on the Boston Early Rush Hour. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. Thank you so much for joining us. Boston Early's Rush Hour from 4 to 5 at 5 o'clock. John Katzenpiece comes in and cats tonight. He's going to have a tough time topping his show last night when he broke the news of Santos. He had Zimmerman on this morning, Santos's opponent. You can join us at 800-848-9222. For those of you who are keeping up on the issues of the day, Title 42 was upheld by the Supreme Court, so that's going to stay. That's the... It's a little complicated. That's the provision that declares a state of emergency under the health law, believe it or not, 
that allows us to manage the border a little bit more efficiently. I'm going to be doing immigration as one of the issues of the week. I think that's going to be on Friday because uh, that's clearly one that there are compromises that can be done, common sense solutions in the middle. But we're talking a little bit about the economy economy today. We're also talking about Santos. Um, let's get uh, to one that probably cuts on both issues. Andrew in Suffolk. Go ahead, Andrew. Thank you for joining us on the Rush Hour. Hi, Anthony. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you, brother. Okay. There are how many? 400 and, let's see, 487 elected officials in Washington, D.C.? Well, there's 435, 400, 435 members of Congress, 100 members of the United States Senate, a president, a vice president, and there's some, like, delegates and things like that. But go ahead. So We're you know, ballpark. 530, 535 plus the president and the vice president. I would guarantee you that probably less than 50 percent of those people are honest. And what do you what do you base that on? That Go ahead. Well, because when you when you're in a per- because. Most politicians lie, <laughs> and that's pretty accurate. We ha- and I'm not defending George Santos. We have a president that's lied for probably twice as long as half the, the age of half the people that voted for him. Okay? That man has never told the truth. All right. Well, I, I, I hear you. Look, there's a lot of people who think that. I, I think that people – People fib about things. People are dishonest about things. I don't think politicians do it any more than any other, and I think there's a, a higher cost for politicians, as I said at the opening. Let's go to Rich in Cold Springs. Rich, what do you think about Exxon? It's a uh, publicly owned company. So is American Airlines, all the airlines, everything you talked about. Yeah. I mean, you sit here and, and talk like all these people. This is our 401Ks you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Why is that an issue? There are companies that are making big profits. They're, yeah, and, and people are getting. And, the and shareholders, people, the people who have stocks in it, are making money. I understand. And, and, and we're taxing those people in a progressive way, meaning if you make more, you pay a little more. If you pay less, you get a little less. That doesn't mean a company. Uh, uh, all, what, what I'm saying is that if you have a company that acts in a certain way, but this is a company, okay? Sure, it's a collection of people, but it's a company. If a company raises our prices, Makes our, makes it makes life difficult for people who drive a car. Makes life difficult for companies who need to use energy. If they raise the price and make a lot of profits, I'm just saying tax those profits the same way I would tax your profits if you went to a casino and made a bunch of money. Well, I don't see the problem. Because if you tax them, then you're taxing us. Well, yes. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. They, 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 ideally, no one would have. Taxes to pay. I, I don't think I, I hate taxes. I don't think people should pay taxes. But if they're going to pay them, they should be progressive, meaning people that have a little more should help out the middle class and those struggling to make it. Hey, this has been great. I'm going to be back tomorrow um, uh, filling in. This has been a huge honor. Filling in for James Golden is really a, a super honor for someone like me who's used to being in the Bush Leagues on the weekend. It wouldn't be possible without all of you. I want to say thanks to you. Thanks to Rich and Avery on the other side. All of you who called in and to uh, John and Margaret Katsimatidis who gave me this chance. Feeling very grateful today. You should as well. Hug your family, hug your kids, say a prayer, and I'll see you tomorrow.